Welcome to the XR Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Diana Olenik, and on this show, we dive into the cutting-edge worlds of XR, Web3, and artificial intelligence with the brightest minds in the industry, bringing you exclusive insights and game-changing conversations that will revolutionize your understanding of the future. Today, we have a very amazing guest, as always. Today we'll be speaking with Sonia Haskins, who is the Head of Programming for Augmented World Expo. She has been extensively involved in the XR industry as a journalist, esports professional, and conference coordinator. She also does a lot of work to promote inclusive and diverse environments. Today, we're super excited because we'll be diving into not only her amazing experience and personal achievements, but also onto how to create these environments that are inclusive and how and why it is important to do it in our industry. So I can't wait to begin. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Sonia, for being here today. We're super excited. You have such an interesting life and background, and we like to hear about it. Please let us know how you're doing today and what inspired you to be involved in the field of VR, AR, and XR. Well, hi, Diana. Thank you for inviting me here today to chat with you. I really appreciate it. And um So my journey into XR, well, let's see, um, and in 2017, my oldest son had been, uh, well, first of all, let me back up before that a little and say that I have five children. They're all grown now, but I homeschooled them. And so, um, I taught them they're all, all through school. And then when they started graduating, they started going off. My oldest three actually went into the military. And so my oldest son had joined the U.S. Army, and he was being deployed to Afghanistan in April of 2017. He joined the Army when he was 17 because they graduated a little bit early, and he wanted me to go with him to a Best Buy store to try something. And I was like, uh, we were really wanting to tech or anything. I didn't like technology. And and while we were um, homeschooling, I pretty much kept us away from that. Like we didn't have a TV some of that time. Um, you know, we stayed kind of off the grid and they didn't have gaming systems like maybe some teenagers did. And um, so it was really not ordinary for me to go somewhere like Best Buy. And so I said, well, I'll go with you. And he wanted me to try something he said called virtual reality. And I was like, well, that doesn't really sound very interesting to me, but I'll try it. (laughs) And so um, we went in and I put the headset on and immediately I was blown away. I was like, wow, oh my gosh, this is amazing because I felt like I was in a different place and um, just immediately immersed in the environment that I was in in the headset. And so I was very impressed with it, and I bought it on the spot, bought my son's computer from him because he was being sent overseas. And so I said, well, can I buy your computer from you so I can play while you're gone? And um, so I took it home and started playing. Well, 
I spent like a couple months playing Robo Recall nonstop and just tearing apart robots and stuff. And I thought it was a lot of fun, but it was, you know, just a solo activity I did by myself. But I started noticing that I was having positive effects. Like um, I was losing weight and um, really exercising a lot, moving around more than I normally would. And um, so the the that may in may 2017 my family suggested that i try a different game called echo arena and um that was a multiplayer game that was in beta at the time and i started playing it and just ended up being pretty good at it and really dedicated a lot of time to practice and play it and um so i ended up qualifying that summer to go compete at nationals for oculus connect um, for uh, what was called the VR Challenger League at the time. It was a league, esports league, sponsored by Oculus, Intel, and ESL. And um, so when we got ready to go, they asked about if people need anything. And I said, well, I just need a chair. And they were like, why do you need a chair? And I said, because I play in a chair. And everybody was like, no, no way. Nobody plays in a chair. And I was like, well, I play in a chair. <laughs> and so I explained to them that, and I think this is the part that I shared with you earlier when we spoke, I had a lot of health problems. I still do have quite a few health problems, but at that time, I was still only able to stand about maybe 10 or 15 minutes at a time. And um, I had been in a wheelchair the year before. And so whenever I started playing VR, I... um wasn't able to stand up long enough to play these games. So I just started playing seated, not thinking that that was out of the ordinary. And um, so when we went to compete in California, you know, they all seemed very amazed that I could play as well as a regular standing player, but I was seated, but it's because I was making up the difference in movement and being very fast reflexes and with quick thinking. And so um, anyway, that's how I got started in XR. And from there, it just ended up becoming a journey of passion. I did a lot of volunteer work with communities and talking to developers and um, hardware manufacturers about things that worked or didn't to make sure too that we had inclusive environments or games or apps that would actually um, allow people of different backgrounds or demographics to use them. Like for example, as a seated player, you know, you can't always, you can't reach things that are way up high if you don't have a way within the game itself or the app to have it come to you versus you going to it. And so there was a lot of insight that I was able to provide that helped kind of in those early stages um, influence, I think, the industry positively. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much. I think that that's such an inspiration story because Many people come to this industry with a background, with a set expectation, but mm -hmm. sometimes it comes from other ways, unexpected ways, and it turns out to be a nice field to explore, to become an expert in. And speaking about that, because you have established yourself as a leader, there is also a organization that you created that is called VR Community Builders. Um, I'd like to know a little bit about how did you come to create it, the foundation principles, etc. Yeah, so VR Community Builders was basically set up initially to bring together people who really had um, an idea that we should be diverse and, and inclusive environments, like environments for VR 
or um, the games and things that we play, multiplayer games and different environments should be inclusive. And that means kind of what I just said, which is if um, if you're a seated player or maybe you have a disability or a physical limitation, you should still be able to enjoy the experiences, the um, technology. So that was one part. And then the other part was that um, one of the things we worked on some as well would be like if uh, if you had um, – let's say toxicity in environments that um, maybe you have a game where they're especially disrespectful to women or um, people with higher pitch voices like children, or maybe um, there's uh, racism in that environment. We would work really hard to just try to advocate for principles or reporting tools and um, leadership within those games and those communities that would really ensure that everyone would be not only welcome there, but they would actually feel like they could stay there without being harassed. And that's a problem, as you know. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that as well. Just being a female and someone who, to be quite blunt with you, has an accent. I mean, you speak English so very well, but if you were to go into some games and start speaking English, they would harass you just because you have an accent. And um, I mean, I get that. And I have, I speak English perfectly, but I'm Southern. And so, you know, some people harass me just because of that. And so it was all about just making sure that we have inclusive communities. And um, so I kind of tried to pull in people who would promote those principles. And a lot of it in the beginning was about just really promoting them and writing about them because I'm a journalist by trade. And so while I was taking care of my children, I stayed at home with them and homeschooled them, but I also wrote many, many articles and I I wrote a few books. And um, so when I started promoting VR, I transitioned to that, um, that part of my skill set, I would take that skill set and transition it to promoting VR communities or promoting people who were doing great things. And I would write a lot about the benefits like health and wellness and, um, you know, losing weight or people who were, who were uh, finding ways to deal with PTSD and a lot of things like that. So it's just been a really great journey to use the things, the skills that I've had developing throughout my life. And, you know, people sometimes will make fun of me, for example, and other people who are older, Um, you know, I'm middle-aged and they'll be like, oh, games are for kids. This is for, what are you doing here playing this or whatever? It's like, first of all, there's no age limit on fun. I don't believe in an age limit for games or having fun or enjoying life for that matter. I mean, I plan to enjoy life as much as I can until the day I die. And so there's no age on that. But I also think it's really interesting that all the experiences I've had in life and the skill sets that I've developed, because I am older, I have more of those that I was able to use specifically to help the industry grow, especially early on. And whenever, you know, when I first started early on, like in VR gaming or esports in particular. So it's just been such a great journey. And I'm really um, very grateful to be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. Yes, definitely. I can see that in my own personal experience, being an immigrant where I live has played in in the day to day sometimes or in, in personal interactions a little bit of, of issues in, in my old history being here. 
But what is interesting is that in other type of media, when it comes to, for example, interacting in VR, we can see that, of course, the values that we have as in our in-person interactions get carried over as well in the digital media because we continue to be the same humans. So those are very interesting things that we need to, I feel, discuss more often, you know, bring awareness of what type of communities are we building and what type of values are we, uh, you know, sharing in these communities. So the exit industry is definitely is an industry that has been growing and expanding and evolving very fast. Have you seen actual changes in inclusivity from when you started, the, you know, the recent years? Have you noticed changes in inclusivity? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll answer that. But first, I want to go back to something you said just a second ago about the development. And one thing I want to put out there for people to think about real quick is, you know, when it comes to XR, basically, I don't know if I told you this before, but basically the way I look at it is we're building worlds. Like when you put that headset on, especially with VR, you put the headset on and you're somewhere else. And even with AR, with augmented reality, you're augmenting the world around you. So you're essentially still kind of creating a different world that you're in. You're augmenting it. But particularly with VR, you're literally like you feel as if you're in a different place. And so I think that I like to remind people it's a little bit like playing God or God figure. And, you know, if you're going to play God, that's a huge responsibility and so that's why I think this is a very serious conversation. And like it, we should take it seriously because, you know, we're influ- influencing lives, human lives in great ways. And so I just wanted to stick that in there real quick as a, as a note to people on why this discussion is important. And, and answer to the question you just asked about, have I seen, um, improvements on inclusivity? Um, I mean, that just depends on where you look and who you ask. I definitely think that I try to ensure, I try to improve any environments I'm in in that direction. And also I try to be involved with people who support those ideas. Um, overall, unfortunately, I think that there's still way too much prejudice, discrimination, um, exclusion. And so I think that's very unfortunate. And that's across the board, whether you see that in games. Um, you know, if I go into a game and I play without a voice, it's perfectly fine. But the, and I'm a good player in the games I play typically. I'm pretty good at VR, um, games. And so, it doesn't matter how good I am or whatever, they'll tend to just treat me, you know, unbiased or with a little bit of idol worship if I'm not speaking, you know, because I'm a decent player. The second I speak and they find out, oh, wait a minute, is that a female? You know, then there's this transition to, oh, let me, you know, sexually assault you or say lewd things to you or, you know, ask to do inappropriate things to your body because you're a woman or not even ask, let's just go do it, you know? And so it's really disturbing to me that, um, that should ever be an option. Like it, it shouldn't literally. So that's one issue. And then I think transitioning from gaming to the industry overall, I do think that in XR, we are definitely trying to make an effort to, um, 
bring in like female developers and um, underrepresented racial groups and uh, ethnicities and stuff, which is really cool. But um, we have to do better. Like we just have to do better. I can't remember the exact number, but I think like four or five percent of all funding right now for XR or tech goes to women creators versus men. And wow. it's just like that may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that number is accurate. Mm-hmm. And so. And, and I can tell you for sure, like, for example, when I'm um, organizing our events, like for AWE, you know, we have um, so many more male applicants because the males are the ones in the field. And it's not all just about interest level or um, the fact that they they are the ones who, quote, want to be there when you are only investing in five percent women even though you may have applications from much greater percentages, well, then, of course, you're going to end up with a greater percentage of success stories from men mm-hmm. because they're the ones who have the um, support, you know, financial support, uh, support with uh, whatever it is, practical issues. And so I think it's important to really try to balance these things out and make sure that people who want opportunities and are willing to work hard um, can find them. And so from my perspective, as far as, uh, gaming and communities and stuff, I really try to make sure I support people who are creating environments where their toxicity has a zero tolerance policy, basically. Like, um, I do believe in grace and forgiveness, you know, and making sure that people have an opportunity to have a second chance. But at the same time, you need to um, take action on those things quickly so that there can be a clear message that it's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you mentioned something interesting, of course, that it, that number, whatever number it is, we know that is less yeah. the support for women, like that's for sure. But why do you think that that ultimately happens? Why somebody would have all of these applications and then all of a sudden they end, end up supporting less applications for women, do you think that is something embedded in the culture or something? What do you think that happens there? Yeah, I think there are a lot of reasons for it, but um, basically it boils down to we have a we have a problem in society where women are just matter of factly treated as less than. We do. I mean, across the board, you're not as valuable and you're basically treated like you're Anywhere from in some cultures, you're the property of the man to in other cultures where let's say women do get more respect, but they still find it harder to achieve leadership roles. Maybe they do have jobs. Maybe they're professionals, like say in places where it's more like where I live in the South, um, it's more rare to find women leaders because men, it's a patriarchal society here. And so you're your man basically owns you. Um, women are like property here. And I mean, I know that sounds terrible and people are going to have a problem with that, but it's just the mindset, you know? I mean, when you're married, you're, um, you're expected to recognize the male as the head of the household and you do what he says. And, um, so then you go to other places that are more liberal, let's say California, and you have women who work and have careers and stuff. Well, even in that case, you still have situations where women can only, you know, get so far without, it takes twice as much effort, but, but then you have maybe a leadership role that's open. Well, the, 
a man is still more likely to be put in that leadership position. I'll give you a better example. This is an easier way to say it. If I go into a a role where I need to run a conference or um, an event and a man goes into that same role, if we're side by side doing the same thing, and um, I'm talking about, let's say, an esports event, you know, and we're both giving directions on how to behave appropriately, how to be safe, you know, when to start, that kind of thing. If a male does that, he is seen as a good leader. It's good leadership, and he's doing a great job, and he's going to receive accolades. If a woman does that, she's seen as a a bossy, you know, know-it-all who really needs to mind her own business. So it's a perception. It's across the board. It's not just one area of society. I think that we have a problem with the way we treat and respect women, period. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, we've seen many examples here or locally as well where we live and we hear many stories and we can see that, of course, this ultimately is going to affect an industry that is supposed to advance so fast, that carry over all of these, the latest um, insights in the world. But uh, definitely it's a, a warning sign for anybody out there that is creating, even young developers, even people that is creating apps, experiences, games, whatever, they really need to take into account these into their own teams, into their yeah. own projects that they are creating. Because whoever can be right now, the only the programmer or only the designer, they are the ones that are ultimately creating this future. And that's why these conversations really fits well and is very, very important. I believe it's maybe one of the first times that we have this conversation in this way. And I think that is very special that we get to have a space where we can raise these concerns and open up to the truth yeah. that this is happening in the background. Yeah, and I will add, like, I do think that there's hope in the... um I mean, there is hope and I do see positive signs. Like, for example, I'm very, very picky about who I work with. And so when I work with various communities, I pretty much will only really actively promote communities where they also are inclusive or supportive to women. You know, they don't have principles that are sexist or racist or homophobic at base level. I mean, there are some things that people do that you can, they're, they're red flags. And so I watch for those. And I promote the good communities or people or developers doing the right thing. And I think for um, the industry overall, one thing we can do, like with AWE, I'm so very fortunate to have a boss and Ori and also a team. Like our whole team is very inclusive and diverse. And we very much have, I feel like, um, team members who um, not only support these ideas, but they actively live those ideas And so, I mean, it's like, for me, the community is very important to me. And I think that we all go out of our way to make sure that we try to help everybody. It doesn't matter what, you know, your skin color is or what your gender is or what your lifestyle is or whatever. I think that we really try to support people based on the best options for talks or activities, activations, playground things and stuff. Like, it's just really nice to be part of a company that prioritizes that. 
And, um, you know, as far as the future goes, like AWE is the premier, it's the largest XR specific conference in the world now. And so I think it's one of those things where um, it's very cool to be part of that group that we can make a difference in the future by setting the standard for those ideas. You know, we can set an example for others and help them make sure that they know what is positive behavior? You know, what you, for example, in the conference, I try very hard to get as close as I can to gender parity. Um, many tech conferences don't even bother. You may go and see a hundred speakers and there may be three women. And so for hours, I really try to go and invite expert XR professionals who are women, for example. And so I think that you have to put in extra work, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah, that is setting the example right there. I think that there is a lot of respect for big organizations that already are setting the example, and we have a lot to learn from them. I'm so glad that you are the head of programming at AWE right now, Um, and I am pretty sure that you've seen or come across very interesting, you know, innovations, trends, or anything that you see that you could share with us. Please let us know what are some of those exciting, you know, trends or innovations that you've seen in the AR VR space recently. Oh, let's see. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, there's just right now everything's changing so much. You know, there's so many things happening quickly. I think definitely I would be remiss if I didn't say how AI is starting to influence things, you know, because we have, um, I think over the next few years, what we're going to see is a lot of people who maybe don't have skills or previously haven't had skills, like say for developing, mm-hmm. um, AI can make some of that easier. You know, you can yeah. tell it what you want to create and it can help you create that. So that's one thing to think about. I mean, there are also, um, there are pros and cons, but I'm inclined to really think on the positive and say, okay, well, let's just focus on how can we make this good and how can we use this to benefit humanity? Um, that's another thing right there too. Like we had in, um, in Santa Clara, AWE USA 2023, we just had, there was an XR prize competition and there was over a hundred thousand dollar prize money for the winner. Um, that could come up with a good solution to use XR for climate change and, um, you know, to positively impact the climate and try to help with sustainability and stuff. And so, and at this point we also have um, sustainability and also renewal. Like we need to start not just being sustainable, but fixing some things on our planet. And so that's something that we can use XR for. And, you know, we can go in and, I don't go out a whole lot anymore, like in physical reality, unless I'm traveling. I do visit my friends that at VR meetups and stuff. But as far as just actually hanging out with people, I put my headset on, you know. So um I think that we have options that are coming about that we hadn't had in history before. We could sit and and be on the computer together since we had the Internet. You know, we've had that for few decades now how long yeah a few decades but it's one of those things where now you can actually feel like you're in the place with people so for me personally I mean there's way too much uh 
there's way too much tech coming out to talk about the tech specifically, but I love the ideas, you know, like how can we use this for good? How can we relate better to one another? Um, I, despite what I mentioned earlier about inclusivity and diversity still being a challenge, personally, I think, you know, if we get humans together in a place where there's less threat, but we can get along and have a common goal, like playing a game or, you know, getting to know one another where there's less, um, less, uh, you don't necessarily see that person's lifestyle or race or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's more opportunity to simply like their personality and get along with their personality. Mm -hmm. Then you can develop friendships. And once people can see that, wow, I'm friends with this person, who cares what, how they live or whatever, you know? So I think that those things are important. And I do see those as possible options on the positive side. Yeah. I think that that's pretty exciting. What you say, I actually feel very, very glad to see that sometimes you're in the street and sometimes people just decide to smile at you and tell you something yeah. or ask you something. Those type yeah. of encounters are precious for me because it, yeah. it says that the person has removed the boundaries mm-hmm. that they have created for the you there and the me here. Right. And I think that there is a lot of potential to do a lot of this in XR. I'm very excited for that, those particular applications where, as you mentioned, there is no need for me to know your life. You embrace as a human being. We're both a human being. I feel that the best humanity of the future would be like that, would operate yeah. under those principles. That's my futuristic humanity to <laughs> say. Yeah, and I agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, um, it, it's even exciting to think about it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to. Uh, let me interrupt one real quick and say one more thing. This is a little weird, but another thing to that point, you know, we've seen a lot of evidence with that um, people who maybe are autistic or have social anxiety disorders um, in physical reality do very, very well in VR. They do well in immersive environments. And I think, sadly, it says something about the stress we put on people and, you know, maybe sometimes the um, things in physical reality that cause harm or cause people just to not be able to be their absolute best selves. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so awesome that in immersive realities, they come out of those shells mm-hmm. and they become almost like a different person and they can function very, very well. So I also think that's another really cool thing as far as the future and what it can offer. Um, it offers many people a way to excel and and um a place where we never we didn't have that before you know we didn't have that environment before and now we do so we need to to help those people be able to um live their best lives yeah for sure creating these experiences that are a force for good is pretty much the message around here just wanted to say when you mentioned about ai envisioning this future where even AI is infused with empathy type of values, that is another use that we can, you know, try to portray there to to have for mixing it with these apps or this technology, making sure that even this inclusivity is embedded in that code. So, so that even the technology that is growing or, or transforming is transforming with the best of humanity, not with the worst of, of humanity. That's a, so the people that have their hands in creating this code, in my opinion, should have a very good understanding of empathy and how to create 
more advanced technology based on empathy values. That's something that I like to, to share as well. That is yeah, a challenge. Because, yeah, because think about that a second. I totally agree with you and think that's true, but the problem is that um, the opposite is also true. So it's really essential that as we move forward that um, people do understand that I, I totally agree with you. It's possible to create AI with some empathy. And I don't mean by creating human AI, but I do mean you can program into it um, certain traits. You know, you can program in those traits a bit, but but you can also program in traits of racism and hatred and exclusion. Yes, and so, is- uh, yeah, so we need to be, and we see that some with when you have, um, you know, when you have, when you ask an AI a question, let's say, show me a picture of a great business leader. Mm. And it shows you a picture of a man in a suit. Mm. Okay. That's a predisposition, um, prejudice in our society that right there already is, is giving males a preference over females. Uh, you know, it's giving men the professional uh, it's presenting that professional view versus a professional view of a woman in a suit or a woman, you know, what about a mother? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, so it's one of those Come things on. I spent, yeah, I spent 25 years taking care of my children. I was a stay at home mom. It's huge. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very good at my job at AWE. I love it. I'm so grateful. I have this job and that Ori took a chance on me to do that. But at the same time, I have had people who've questioned in the past, not now, but in the past, um, they would refer to me as, quote, just a mom. And one thing I tell people is, first of all, I've talked to a lot of young women and men, too, guys, too. But I say, don't ever, ever let anybody call you just anything. Don't ever let anyone refer to you or refer to yourself as just anything. You know, like you're not just a student or just a cashier. You're not just a mom. You are what you are and do your best Mm -hmm. at it and take what you can from it. So like the skills I learned as a mother, being a multitasker, you know, taking care of 50 million things at once, um, Mm -hmm. running back and forth to doctors, handling stress, cleaning up, throw up, you know, (laughs) handling the dirty work. Mm -hmm. It's like all these things seem, seem maybe less than to some people, Mm -hmm. but they develop skills that are very essential to managing something like, for example, the conference where I have 500 or more speakers. They all need different things. You know, they're coming to you with requests and questions and you have to be kind and patient and respond professionally. And so that those skills, like for example, in the mom, you know, being kind and patient and loving mother, you know, that translates well over to a professional environment where um, I'm not their mother, but I'm still going to treat them similarly where I want to help them achieve their best personal goals, you know, whatever it is they want to achieve. And so, um, you know, I think that it's important for people to just realize that we have these prejudices built into ourselves already. And so we can try to pull those out. And as we start to program AI, we need to make sure we don't program the same prejudices we already have problems with and physical yeah. reality into our immersive realities. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's super beautiful. I think that that's one of the best closings when you mention, especially I want to highlight for any woman that is out there that is maybe learning coding, developer, designer, etc., that is in, in, in entering into this industry, 
please have the best courage that you can because a woman, and especially when you become a mother, have a lot of value out there that maybe yeah. is not considered in interviews. I don't know still why, but you have to be aware that you have it. Like you have all of this value there, many skills that are there. The society still hasn't been recognizing this so widely for jobs, especially for jobs. But these skills are super valuable. And we want to say, if you have had this self-thought saying, oh, but I'm just a mom and I, I was being away all of these years from having a, a job. Actually, had a student that had this particular situation. She was eight years raising the kids and now she's trying to, you know, enter the industry and she was uh, worried about this. So it was the same conversation. And I yeah. said, there are many qualities that you already have that maybe the other candidates might not have. So you have to actually help yourself and show them, show them that yes. this is transferable and how you can help the company. So yeah, totally. and, and to have confidence in it, yeah. like think of the confidence you want your children to have and what you tell them, you know, you can do this, try again, don't give up, persevere, be persistent, you know, all those things. If you're, if mothers are listening to this, I would give them that advice. The things that you tell your child to help them be successful. First of all, you're already a great leader because you're teaching your child that. And second of all, just tell yourself that as well and stop and look at yourself do not look around your house and see the dirty laundry or the dirty dishes or the fact that you didn't read to your child every night this week before they went to bed and call yourself a failure. Don't look at these little things and consider yourself a failure. Look at all the things you do on a daily basis that make you an amazing success and also realize that you know in a professional environment we have those same choices. You know, on any given day I have to say there are emails that don't get answered that day. They get answered the next morning because I can't possibly do it all. It's the same as when I had five kids at home or even some foster kids. I took care of like a hundred foster kids over 15 years. You know, when you're, you have other things going on, you're not going to necessarily finish everything you need to. And you shouldn't feel bad about that. Just do your best, live your best life every day and make sure that you take joy in um, what you have accomplished. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much, Sonia. So if everyone wants to join in any capacity, either as a sponsor or as a, a team member or any type of volunteering or something like that, your VR community builders or any other place that you would like, how can they reach out or how they can find information? So for VR community builders, I, I kind of don't do as much with that now. It's still there, but we don't actively look for, um, you know, participants, let's say. Yeah. But I will say that with AWE, if people are interested in the XR industry and want to build the VR community, like VR community builders or build the AR community XR overall, that they should visit awexr.com. And there's a tab that's get involved. People can apply to speak. Um, they can be track chairs. Um, if they're companies and stuff, of course, they can sponsor or have a booth, ex exhibit, things like that. But for anybody who's just starting out, who really wants to know more, maybe, maybe you are a mother and you enjoy taking care of your kids, but you kind of really like to play VR games as well. And you would love to have a day 
where you just go and get to learn more about the industry. We also have a lot of volunteer slots. So um, I would also recommend that they consider just volunteering, you know, and um, coming to one of our events. We have meetups around the year round around the globe. So that's another option. And um, yeah, there are many options. I was just checking that. And if people have questions or would like to reach out to me, um, they're more than welcome to. I don't know if you can put the my email address yeah. in Jab. That's Sonia at AWEXR.com. I'm happy to chat with people if they have any further questions. And sometimes you just need encouragement. I'm on social media and people are welcome to follow me there. And I try to post things that make people remotely happy. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's always, that's always good to just have other people that, um, can encourage you, men or women or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Like anybody, any person on earth, I just feel like if you, need a little bit of a, a smile or some laughter, then look for others who are positive people who are going to help you find that. Yeah, thank you so much. That's amazing. You're such a kind and beautiful person. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that we uh, came across and that we are sharing these beautiful chair values. So thank you so much, Sonia. I I think that uh, we're going to be putting all this information in the description, all the ways to reach out for anybody who wants to volunteer, sponsor, or get involved. We're very excited with all the things that are happening with AWE. And we want to congratulate you again for being such a great leader, a great uh, guide and example for many of the women of us out there that are also figuring out our paths in the industry or maybe starting out as a developer, designer, etc. Thank you so much, Sonia. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for all that you're doing, Diana. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Thank you so much. And if you are listening or watching this episode, please consider sharing it with someone who might love it, family or friends or whoever you think. Or, um, yeah, please uh, help us with a subscribe or Like, thank you so much and see you in the next episode. Bye for now. 